Kyle, do you have a favorite board game? <laughs> I just have a conniption. Oh my god. He's paralyzed with indecision. Yes, of course I do. I definitely have talked about it here before. Um, It's Balderdash, hands down. Yeah? Loves me some Balderdash, some B-dash. Have you ever played Balderdash, Emily? I don't know if I have. In my head, it's like similar to that Jackbox game. Uh... Criminal there, there the energy words. goes. Um, Seth's going to tell it, tell it to us. Yeah, Frog Boy React, <laughs> that Jackbox game that we're all that we all love and play. I I think it's the 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 third one that we really like the most. <laughs> Frog Boy React three. No, you're talking about Quiplash. No. Oh, the one the one where there's about? like a question and everybody makes up a fake answer <laughs> and then you got to pick. The, there's a real answer oh, mixed in there. Oh, you're talking about Samurai Door Builder. <laughs> Kyle, this intro is going to be 20 minutes long. I talking about. So I guess it's not similar to Balderdash, huh? Because if it was, <laughs> you would know what I Wait, meant. Wait, <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. I do. I do. Yeah, it is like that. I just don't know which game you're talking about. But that's how Balderdash works? Yeah, basically, like, you pick a card, and in the original, it's just words, and it'll be a word that you've never heard of, <gasps> and... All of the players have to try and come up with a definition of it. So, like fibbage, I guess. Yes, Kyle. Is that why what would you're you just? About? Why would you? Why would you do that to me? Why would <laughs> you? Why <laughs> would you make it? Why would you spend ten what? minutes making it seem like I'm insane? <laughs> and then say, "Here's an original thought I have. This game is a bit like fibbage." Because <laughs> I didn't know if that was what you were talking about. Absolutely. I didn't draw the connection. <laughs> <laughs> Literally what I described <laughs> is finished. Emily's crazy. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, welcome to your favorite verbal board game, Butter No Parsnips. I'm Kyle Imperator. And I'm Emily Moyers. And God's willing, I'm going to give <laughs> Kyle a word sometime today. Sometime today. It, the word might be fired. <laughs> it might be canceled. It might be... It might be get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it is a good word, though, Kyle. Oh. Okay, I'm ready. Lay it on me. Kyle, your word mm. is grognard. No. G-R-O-G-N-A-R-D. Grognard. No. No, Emily. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. It's grognard? It's grognard. <laughs> Are you just, you already did grok and I gotta do grognard now? How come I get all the <laughs> alien words? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Kyle, it's just because yeah. I think you are a grognard. Yeah, I think I am a grognard, honestly. <laughs> All right, so, like, a couple things leap out at me, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, is like, it the grog... fact that the word nard is in there, which you it literally is. established is a word you don't like? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> now i got to talk about nards again. Oh. <laughs> Is, is a grognard like uh no i can't say that i will we'll keep it pg we'll keep it pg yeah let's keep it pg so like is it's it a PG like word ard ard 
I feel like have we talked about the ending Ard before? Wizard. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we've we, talked oh, about it on Jess's Jess episode. Talked about it. Yeah. And it just means like the, the max of something, like just to a weird extent, right? Like a wizard sure. is just like a super wise guy. Yeah, because, you know, like a wizard is a super wise guy. A lizard is a super <laughs> l- wise guy. So is a grognard <laughs> someone who drinks a lot? Is like a drunkard a grognard? I mean, that is a super fun theory and the logic makes sense. But that is probably dependent on the language of origin where the ard is coming from. And I will tell you that the original pronunciation of this word is not actually grognard, but grogna. Oh, it's French. It is French. Of course it's French. Oh, it's Grognard? Grognard. That's just me when I'm doing stand-up. You get a Grognard out there. (laughs) That's what we got listening to this episode (laughs) right now, Kyle. (laughs) Okay, um, is it a noun? It is a noun. Can it refer to a person? Is a person a Grognard? It absolutely is a person. Like, I'm getting so close, but I know that I have just absolutely no context for what it actually is. (laughs) You still have a hint in reserve, Kyle. Oh, uh, give me the hint. All right. Your one word clue is military. Okay. Well, one of the only French words I know is frog in French, which is glenoui. So I'm going to guess that this is a military frog. (laughs) <laughs> of the frog battalion. <laughs> yeah, of the frog battalion. Banjo Grenui. <laughs> Banjo Grenui! <gasps> it's the opening theme, but with an accordion. <laughs> Sorry, a bandonian or whatever it is. Uh, no, Kyle, your attitude on the French has already been made clear. There's no going back. <laughs> I love them! Uh, oh, so much. So it all... It it either means that or a grognard <laughs> is a literal or metaphorical old soldier, someone who is experienced and knowledgeable, but typically set in their ways and resistant to change. Fun. <laughs> it's fun. This is a useful word. Well, it's particularly used in the context of tabletop gaming, referring to people who prefer more rules-heavy war games over more story-focused role-playing games. Insane. That is not where that I thought is, this episode was going. <laughs> that is today the most common context that that word is used. So wait, is it pronounced grognard in English? In English, yes. But it was originally a French word, and we're going to start by talking about that. Yeah, please. So, Grognard originally referred to a specific group of French soldiers under Napoleon I, under uh, Emperor Napoleon. Oh, we've talked about him a bunch on this podcast. We have. Well, he was an, he was an important guy. You know, he did a lot of stuff. He did. He did a lot of stuff for a guy who was five foot. Six, <laughs> considered short I mean, by their new measuring standards. Yeah. First of all, I don't know why you had Napoleon's actual height on lock in your brain, but you are correct that he was five foot six. <laughs> well, just because like the Napoleon complex is like, you know, it's like a myth. Not real. Yeah. yeah. He's, he was actually probably average height or maybe a little tall for the time. Yeah. And as somebody who has been ascribed as having a Napoleon <laughs> complex, this is no. at the top of my mind. I would never say that about you, Kyle. Cut Wait, you're to, saying like, that like you have of all yeah. the time. What? <laughs> <laughs> Cut 
to my room, I've got a giant painting of you as Napoleon. But I'm comically short in it. Yeah. Like there's other things in like it for a scale. Guild. <laughs> yeah. Like the size of a table leg. <laughs> no, but Napoleon. So Napoleon had his grand army, which was his main military force. And within that, there was the Imperial Guard, which was like his most elite soldiers. They generally acted as his bodyguards and also like reserve soldiers that he only busted out when he really needed them. And within that, there were like sort of three categories. There was the young guard, the middle guard, and the old guard, which was his most experienced veteran soldiers. Mm -hmm. And that was like the most prestigious rank you could get to in Napoleon's army. Is this where we get the? Because I've heard "old guard" before, like as a, yeah. as a phrase. Is does this come from Napoleon's army, or were there I've, old guards before that? I think it does. I think other references to the old guard are like a reference to Napoleon's old guard. Crazy, awesome, cool. Love this. Yeah. So excited. Go on. So there were there were like certain requirements you had to hit to be in the old guard. Kyle, do you have okay. any guesses as to what those mm. requirements? Might have been. The old guard is the most elite, is what you said? It is amongst the Imperial Guard, which is the most elite. The old guard are like the veterans. Okay, so I'm guessing you have to be a certain age. And by by that time period, I'm going to guess old was 16. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. There's not like a minimum age. There's actually a maximum age. You have to be under 35 when you enter the old guard, but you have to have at least 10 years of service and fought in at least three campaigns and faced enemy fire at the front. So basically, you have to have joined the army at no older than 25. Yeah. So what happens to if you did? You just don't get to join the old guard? Is there another guard for you to join? You'd be in the middle guard, Day old guard? I don't know. (laughs) You'd be be in the middle guard, I guess. Or you wouldn't make it in the Imperial Guard at all. They were meant to be like the cream of the crop. Right, right, right. Napoleon's faves. There was another requirement for the old guard, Kyle. Do you have any guess? It's a weird one. I mean, based on what we're talking about now, if I could get ahead of what you're going to (laughs) say, did you have to be a gamer? (laughs) (laughs) no okay Um, but it does have to do with something we've already talked about tonight oh an alcoholic (laughs) (laughs) a Uh, frog (laughs) (laughs) no you had to be at least five eight what yeah he specifically wanted people who were of an above average height and uh, to be a grenadier which is like a person who threw the grenades, you had to be 5'10". Or a person who threw the frogs. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. That's crazy that both of those heights are taller than Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why people thought he was short, is he deliberately surrounded himself with people with that are at least guys. two to four inches taller than him. <laughs> uh, we might be but all of them Emily. were above average height. <laughs> right, So, yeah. like, if you widen the camera out, there's, like, a sea of shorter people around them. You just yeah, can't yeah, see yeah. it in any of the paintings. <laughs> Wait, so do we know why there was a height requirement? Because that's crazy. I think he just wanted them to be really imposing. Oh, that's fair. Like a mafia. Yeah, basically. Because these were (laughs) his bodyguards, amongst other things. Sure, sure. But if you could make the cut on all these requirements, the perks were pretty good being in the old guard. These soldiers were known for being very well-loved by Napoleon and very devoted to him in return. 
The Old Guard were paid considerably more than the rest of the Imperial Guard, and they were also allowed to speak a lot more freely. So, like, if anyone else in the army was caught, like, complaining about the life of a soldier, they would be punished for that. But the Old Guard were basically allowed to whine as much as they wanted because they had they had reached the top already they had That's they so had room funny. to complain it's like patreon perks <laughs> yeah. if you make it all the way to the top you can you can talk about hating your job with no repercussions <laughs> and love it this is actually where our word comes in oh <gasps> the complaining yes the oh old guard God. were colloquially referred to as le grognards which comes from the French word grognier, which means to grumble. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> the grumblers. The grumblers. Because <laughs> they were just a bunch of old soldiers like, God, all these kids. I wake up early in the morning and do this crap. <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious until you remember that old was 35. <laughs> yes, average lifespan of the time was probably around 55. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, so they were were old. You were looking into that today too. Now it's all making sense. Yes, 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 I was. I was explaining to Kyle that when you look up the average lifespan for a time period, you have to make sure that the stat is discounting infant mortality because that brings down the average, which is a a sad fact, but it is true. If you're doing research, you got to take these things into account. Really, really sad. (laughs) So. The word, as again, originally referred to that particular group of soldiers, the old guard. But throughout the 18 and 1900s, that word gradually expanded to mean any veteran soldier with the connotation that they were sort of old and grumbling and set in their Sure, pace. sure. Kyle, do you know what it's called when the usage of a word expands like that? Um, I don't know, Emily generalization oh wow wow i was gonna say that and i was like that can't be it (laughs) yeah it is called there's a few different terms but it can be called generalization or semantic broadening are the two that i've seen okay okay that makes sense yeah and that is basically when a word with a specific usage evolves to be used more generally or more broadly i have a really fun example of this that i thought was so crazy i had to fact check it but it is true oh my gosh the word guy meaning just like a dude Mm-hmm. Before that, it meant a person of grotesque appearance, specifically. Why? <laughs> because before that, Guy referred to an effigy of Guy Fox to be burned on Guy Fox Day. Oh my gosh. And like those Wait. effigies were typically like ragged looking because they were made of like wood and straw. Oh my god. So then it just came to be anybody who looked kind of ragged looking. And then it just came to mean anybody. <laughs> Hey guy. Wow. That yeah. is a that Isn't is that a, crazy. Just the everyday so word guy comes from Guy Fox. <laughs> that is insane. It is insane. It kind of makes sense, you know, because I feel like most words come about from people calling their friends mean names, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how things get put in the vernacular. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. So Broadening or generalization is a type of semantic change, which can also be called semantic shift or semantic drift. Those I've heard of before. Yeah. And that those are basically like umbrella terms for any changes in the way that a word is used. 
But there are a bunch of different types of semantic change. For example, there is the opposite of generalization. There is specialization or semantic narrowing. When does that happen? It seems like it's a little more rare than broadening, but it's hard to tell. It definitely does happen. An example is that the word meat came from an old English word, meat, M-E-T-E, which meant any food. Oh. Yeah. And then over time, it specified to be animal flesh. And we didn't have a word for that before? That's scary. I guess not a specific word. We just called it animal meat. Animal, right. Yeah, animal meat. Because I think that is how it happens, is like words get used in conjunction to the point where they become synonymous. Parts of it just clip off, yeah. I think I think I read somewhere that that happened with to starve as well. Like to starve originally just meant to die. But then after a while of people saying to starve of hunger, then it came to mean... It just got a a new context from that. That's really cool. Yeah. Starving, (laughs) animal flesh. We're talking about real cool things on this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little hungry. (laughs) Another pair of semantic change types, there is pejoration, which is gaining a more negative meaning. Negative, yeah. And amelioration, which is gaining a more positive meaning. I'm beginning a meaning of uh, disappearing over somewhere over the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Amelioration. <laughs> <laughs> so examples of that would be awful originally meant just full of awe or something that inspires mm. awe. And over time, it came to mean something that inspires awe because it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now awful just means really bad. So that is a, that is a, 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 pejor- a pejoration. It, it became worse over time. Whereas the word nice came from the Latin word necius, which literally means not knowing. And nice originally meant like ignorant or foolish. And that one actually had a long journey. That one later came to mean timid and then came to mean like delicate or dainty and then came to mean like agreeable or decent right. and then came to mean kind. Yeah. Wow. That's, but that, like, that makes sense. Like, when yeah. you go from just the, the beginning and end point, it's like, how do you get there? But, like, all of those, there is like in a winding those markers. Track. It's like, yeah. Okay. I can see how yeah. that happens. So, that is like significant semantic shift over time. Oh, I like the idea of using nice in all those different contexts. <laughs> yeah. So, another way that words can gain new meanings is by metaphor which is when a word gains a new meaning because it is similar to an existing meaning. So Explain an example, yeah. well, an example is grognard was used to refer to soldiers and then it was used to refer to people who played war games. Oh, and because so it they metaphorically are playing war games as soldiers. Yes. That is so Cool is the word for this episode. So that's cool. It's nice. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Um, Another example, just for honing in on that, mouse to mean a computer mouse. That is semantic shift by metaphor because it looks like a mouse with a tail. A mouse. Right, right, right. And now we just call it a mouse. Yes. But it gained that meaning because it was metaphorically a mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Language is like, I don't know, one of the like top two things. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice. <laughs> it is not, uh, I am not a grognard for language. <laughs> uh, That's not so, my sentence, Emily. Okay. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to workshop that before the end yeah. of the episode. We're getting there. So Kyle, I know you're a board game guy, but do you know 
anything about war games? Do you know like what I mean by war games? <sighs> I mean, I know that in all of those in like cartoons and movies and stuff that are period, they've got like a map with little pieces and they're pushing them around with a, with that big stick. <laughs> yeah. With that big stick. Um, is that a war game? So that is sort of, that's like a, a, a professional war game. That's like what is used to train like military officers. But oh. out of that emerged recreational war games. And that is more what I'm talking about. And those are like tabletop games where players are controlling armies at war, but just in so a, like with no um, real world application. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. <laughs> a risk is that I've never played risk, but is that a war game tech in this um, context? I don't. Or I don't know how tight uh, Stratego. Stratego for sure. So there are some war games that are like board games where like everything you need comes in one box, mm -hmm. and I would say Stratego is one of those. There's also an older game called Strategos with an S. That mm. is, I think, a purer form of war game, but I don't know a lot about it. Risk maybe could count. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how stringent the Grognards want to be about the Grognards. What it means. I mean. Based on name alone, I feel like they've got to be pretty stringent about it. <laughs> that is the point, you know? <laughs> but a lot of war games are not, like, all in one box. A lot of them involve, you know, not only getting the rule books that tell you how to play, but you also, like, make your own terrain maps, and you get a whole bunch of miniatures, and oh. a lot of war gamers paint their own miniatures oh, by hand. It's like D&D, like &D, but for historical peoples yeah it is very involved <laughs> but it is true that a lot of those things you do for D, D as well and in fact role-playing games like D, D evolved out of these war games oh that makes so much sense now yeah so like recreational war games go back as far I think go back as far as the late 1800s. The ones that are like still played today, a lot of them I think came out of like the 50s, 60s, 70s. And Gary Gygax actually made a war game called Chainmail before he made Dungeons and Dragons. Oh man, I want to look Chainmail up immediately. Well, it's probably he, a nightmare. <laughs> does he drop the humans in this war game like he does his monsters? <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that that one so like war games always have like a setting and a lot of times they have settings that like mimic the real world, but then sure. in the you know, some some war games started to get into like sci-fi. Gary Gygax's chainmail is like a fantasy one, and then he made it a little bit less focused on like the miniatures, and that's how Dungeons and Dragons came into it. So I've I've played like video game, like strategy games that are like war games. Is that like analogous? Like, because there's, you know, games like, um, well, I've never played it, but like Fire Emblem is like you move forces along yeah. spaces on a map to, to have battles. Oh, or even more clear, um, Civilization. Is that like analogous? Yeah, those would be like video games that emerged out of that style of game. But I think part sure. of the point of war games is that they are like a very traditional pen and paper, do the work yourself sure. sort of a thing. Um, I mean, it's the reason why Dungeons and Dragons has had so few video game adaptations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, but so when D&D &D and other more story focused role playing games that were less like sort of straying away from like number crunching and getting more into like you know, building a story with your friends, when that started to become more popular, 
there were a lot of people who still favored the old war games, and those people came to be referred to as grognards. That makes so much sense. Wait, so when did that sense come about? Was it not until like D&D? So the first citation that the OED has is from 1980. Yeah, wow. So I would imagine, you know, late 70s through the 80s and onward is when Grognard started to get used in that way. But it did shift a lot even within that realm. Different people use Grognard in different ways even today. It is sometimes used to just mean people who play war games and has, you know, no particular connotation other than just war gamers are grognards. Sure. It is sometimes used with the definition that I said at the top, which is people who prefer rules-heavy war games over story-focused RPGs, Mm -hmm. which could be neutral or could have a negative connotation depending on who's saying it. I feel like the word could just be used meaninglessly as a pejorative word. Like I would call someone a grognard (laughs) just just to call them a mean name. Yeah, Yeah, like that freaking grognard over there. Yeah, so as newer generations of tabletop gamers have come about, grognard has also been used to just mean older tabletop gamers. Oh, in general. Yes, and a lot of times today, it is just used to mean tabletop gamers who are old-fashioned and maybe set in their ways. Old-fashioned. Which, again, is sometimes used negatively, but not always. This is a really versatile word, Emily. It for is. something that I've never heard of before. <laughs> it seems like it's got around a lot. Yeah, it is. I was a little worried you would know it because it is big in the gamer world, but I guess more the tabletop gamer world than video games. Yeah, there ain't no grognards in Balderdash. <laughs> <laughs> There's only been one set of rules, one tome that we've been reading from for, <laughs> I don't know, a game Yeah, I'm waiting for Baldur Dash 40,000, and that's 40, all the rules. <laughs> yeah, I think that one's uh, got a DLC that lets you put bikinis on your cars. <laughs> okay, Kyle, let's move away from whatever that is. And uh, Kyle, do you think you can use Grognard in a sentence? Emily, I hope to dear God that I can. I hope to Grognard that you can. Oh, and now that's a deity? Um, okay. It should be. It sounds like what? Like God of it the does. hobgoblins. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Emily Grognard used in a sentence, I was playing D&D with my friends the other day, and our dungeon master insisted on drawing all of the maps on graph paper he's such a grognard <laughs> yeah you got it that's that is does, it does that make sense does that's that work? exactly it you got it nice <laughs> heck yeah dungeons and dragons in theaters now <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it might not be <laughs> kyle you know what we should do now is play a game <gasps> game So, Kyle, today's game is called Broaden or Narrow Your Horizons. Love it. (laughs) I'm glad you do, because I was rough (laughs) on that name. It's better than what I came up with today. Go on. (laughs) So, in the spirit of semantic change, I'm going to give you a word, 
and I want you to tell me whether that word has generalized or specialized over time. Okay. And and maybe have a guess at what the word originally meant. Okie doke. All right. First one, and this one you might be able to get because we've discussed it before. Mm-hmm. Wife. Oh, that's definitely, I'm going to say it's specified. Yes, it has narrowed over time. And I think that uh, it was one of those words that it was part of something else. So like a something wife was was something. Right. Like, well, what, what? But what did the suffix wife mean? Wife. Uh, whiff. Yeah, whiff. you got it. That's the old yeah. English word. Does it mean with? No, it just means woman. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Oh. So like a fish wife. Which we talked about in episode oh! one. Just meant a, wom- a, a fish woman, a woman who worked with fish. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. So that was the original meaning of wife. Love it. Kyle, what about the word hound? Oh, hound. Hound. Did that get more specific as well? It did. I'm trying to think of other contexts it's been used in to hound someone. I wonder if that stems back from prior to it being a dog or after. Well, I will say I it, was a, it was a noun th- throughout. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, hund. So think less hund. specific. Hund is the word. Again, you're doing yeah, great from with German. the- uh, Yeah, Uh Hund. Did it have something to do with husband? I did not. Or did it have something to do with the Huns? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will say this one's a little tough to get because- now the definition is more specific than you think. Now hound typically specifically refers to a hunting dog. Right. So was it just canines before? It was yeah, it was just any dog before. It was a hound. Gotcha. It was a hound. And nowadays it it usually refers to a hunting dog. The article I was reading said you wouldn't call a chihuahua a hound. And I was no. like, that's fair. <laughs> yes. That makes that puts it in context. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> okay. Kyle, what about dog oh no <laughs> uh well just based on the yeah. rule of threes i'm gonna guess that this is narrowed nope this is broader now than it used to be so was there i guess one dog that was called a dog yep you got it this what? one is a what little dog? more in doubt because we don't have a lot of references but it's thought that this used to refer to a specific like very powerful breed of dog possibly a mastiff oh love those guys yeah but crazy yes uh, that the, the og dog the og dog yeah was the mastiff was the mastiff all right one more kyle one more and this is one of your words of the episode cool oh <gasps> insane (laughs) cool do you think cool generalized or specified over time specialized Uh, i think it used to be more specific i think it has broadened you're correct what do you think think it used to refer to i can give you a hint at at who first used it yes please miles davis (gasps) oh what first used the word cool to mean something other than temperature Yes. So, okay, it meant something, but it broadened. Right. So, uh, it used to- So, Miles to, Davis used it in a certain way, and over time, it that became broadened broader it from to, there. To, to, mean, to mean, like, cool. Just good. But, yeah. pr- pr- but before that, it used to mean just cold. Right, but there's one in between that Miles Davis coined. Oh, that's yeah. what we're looking for. Yeah. 
Um, well, it has something to do with jazz. You so got it. I don't know, like swinging. Uh, no, just cool jazz was a subgenre oh, of jazz. Oh. Of course, yeah. yeah. Wait. Oh, wow. Yeah, and his album, The Birth of the Cool, was what profligated that word, I believe. Emily, that is so cool. It I never so knew cool. that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's just like a semantic thing there. Love that. Love that, Emily. Nice. This was, what a cool nice episode that you've given us today about frognards and (laughs) and short frenchmen just really great um i learned so much thank you for it i'm glad you dug it and i hope that everybody at home dug it as well and if they did i'd tell them that they can remember to find butter no parsnips on social media on facebook and on instagram at butter no parsnips podcast and if you like today's episode consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us and if you really like today's episode maybe consider donating to our patreon at patreon.com slash butter no parsnips if you donate five dollars or more you get a shout out either on social media or right here on the podcast Thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I have been Emily Moyers. And I've been Kyle Imperator. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. BNP DND. On NPR. (laughs) On NPR. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.